0: This is One in 59, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 59 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning I'm talking with Carrie Major, who is the Senior Manager for Special Projects at the ARC. And uh, Carrie, good morning. Thanks for being on the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Um, We use this show at Anderson as an opportunity to highlight interesting people doing really interesting and impactful things within the field of autism. And I know that there is a project that you're very involved in called Wings for Autism. And this has to do with, I think, helping or supporting individuals on the spectrum as they may um, seek to travel Via air. You know, I, I want to let you describe the whole program, but why don't you start by giving a, a little bit of background about yourself and, um, you know, what your history is and, and what kinds of things you've been involved in uh, and what brought you to the ARC?
1: Sure. Well, like, like I said, my name is Carrie Major. I'm senior manager at the ARC um, in the United States in Washington, D.C. Um, I've been at the ARC for about six years now, um, and I've been running this program for, I think, the last three. So the the WINGS program actually was started about five years ago, Um, and I think it's kind of good to have a little bit of history about the program first, so we were started at one of our local chapters of the ARC, so I'm at the national office in D.C., and we have about... Six hundred or so local and state chapters throughout the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of our chapters had two members that were going to take a flight, and they had one child who had autism and one who, um, you know, did not have a disability. And so they were going on a trip to Disneyland, didn't think twice about it, went to the airport, and realized that their their son couldn't get through, you know, the TSA security, and that it was just too much of an overwhelming, stimulating process for him. Um, and so the mother and son had to go home, and the father and the other um, child went on to Disney World, and it was, you know, a a stressful situation. It was, you know, people were staring, and they lost a lot of money for traveling, and they just kind of didn't think that this would be an issue for them, Um, and I think they they kind of thought about it afterwards, and they were like, if we're in this situation and in this going through this, you know, there have to be other families in a similar place going through the same thing. So that's when they approached our local chapter um, of the ARC up in Boston, Massachusetts, and um, kind of developed the program. And so they got a lot of accolades and a lot of good reviews for the programs and more airports and started reaching out to them. And so about five years ago, we eventually took the program nationally to kind of expand it to um, all of the U.S.
0: Okay. So that is that is definitely a very... I guess it, it's. I don't feel like it's too much of a different story than I've heard about a lot of the um, newer initiatives and programs going on, especially training and awareness and community access type programs, because many of them do seem to start with a single person's experience or a single family's experience. So <laughs> wonderful that this particular family kind of took that pause even in the midst of, of a difficult situation for them and realized that it was probably impacting other people. So... Can you tell us a little bit about uh, first of all, how many are you? Is this a training opportunity for individual airports or airlines? Like, how does it? What are sort of some of the practical aspects of how this works in a in a certain location?
1: Yeah, so it's actually a training. So the great thing about the program is it's obviously the day of the event. Um, it, you know, it's it's for the families, and so they can practice going through all the steps involved in the air process from, you know, getting your boarding ticket to, um, you know, going through TSA security, boarding the plane, and actually, you know, experiencing everything that goes along with air travel. Um, but at the same time, it's also a training for, you know, airport, airline, and TSA employees to, you know, A, work with people with autism. And disabilities, to interact with them, to we also have a small training that we do before our events with um, all the volunteers and the airport personnel, even if they're not volunteering at our specific event. You know, we invite them to come as well. And it's, you know, I like to say just a a disability one on one where it gives them some common characteristics of autism, things to look for um, and kind of best ways to approach different scenarios. You know, some people might think that um, an easy example is a hand on a shoulder might be comforting for somebody who seems Upset, where that could set that child off, you know. Right. Yep. Um, so small things like that that people m- may not be aware with, aware of, um, mm-hmm. kind of goes a long way in the process. So we go through some common scenarios, you know, from other families that have been to the program or been to the airport, have said, you know, this has happened, and if they just knew to do X, Y, and Z, or knew to look for X, Y, and Z, you know, this could have all been avoided. So we've kind of developed all those things. Kind of, it's a short little training that we do, and then we take that kind of classroom training, and it's. You know, at the event, it's kind of the hands-on, real-life, you know, training. And I feel like the best way to learn about people with autism and with other disabilities is to interact with them and to talk with them and to, you know, ask questions. And so we kind of have it as a learning experience for not only the families but also the um, airport, airline, and TSA volunteers as well.
0: So that okay. So so if I'm just to make sure that I'm I'm getting this right. So there's a there's a there's an educational component that happens outside of the airport is that what you're saying that this is like a classroom type um training where you provide information about you said sort of autism 101 or disabilities 101 that happens outside of the day when when families are invited into a given airport to sort of practice the whole process of of uh of starting their trip is that right? Is that yes. what you're
1: saying? Okay, all right. Yep. So it's and a little, it's a little behind the scene thing. So the families mm-hmm. don't see that part. It's just kind of a, a training that we do at the airport with the employees there. Okay, yep.
0: all right, great. And um, and how often do these trainings and opportunities for families to, to practice this at, at an airport? How often do they happen? And at how many airports around the country is this is this currently in place? So we've been in
1: about I want to say sixty to sixty five airports throughout the U.S. Um, in thirty three different states. Um, we've held over 150 events now, um, and so we, we – I would say airports usually hold them w- – Yearly, or sometimes twice a year, we usually also have two. We have them throughout the year, but the two peak times that I'd say most of our events occur during the spring or the fall. It's just usually easier for families to attend due to like holidays and summer travel, and for airports and airlines to kind of work with us to get the the plane and obtain you know the access to it.
0: I love hearing more detail about this. I've known that this was a thing that was out there. I've just I've never had the chance to talk to somebody who is directly involved in it. So you're really providing a lot of. of of great information. How many people, how many resources in terms of actual individual people, whether it's the, the employees of the airline or airport or uh, our, you know staff from the ARC or, and family volunteers, how many people come together to make one of these events possible? So it actually
1: depends. So each event, I mean, I am a small staff here where I, it's mainly just kind of me and the project here, um, but I work at the the national office, I, you know, contact with the, the airports, the airlines, TSA, and uh, a local chapter of the ARC, um, wherever the airport is. Um, if we don't have a local chapter, we could work with the local autism society or um, some other disability organization. So, we, you know, we've done it on a real short staff where we've done it, you know, one person from each partner organization um, at smaller events. And at, you know, larger events, there could be a team of 20 people. Twenty of us, kind of working together. So it it kind of varies based on the size of the event, the
0: you know rural to to
1: urban areas, you know. But I, I would say it's it's doable on a small on a small scale as well as a larger scale.
0: Great. I mean, it's all the pieces that make a good a good training program possible. The the scalability of it and the and the uh, opportunity. I, I'm glad that you took it national because then you obviously have the opportunity to impact uh, more more and more families. All over the country. Do you have any plans, or does the ARC have any plans, or any ways to bring this to an international, an international level at any point in the future? Because obviously, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity and wonderful places to go visit, and families to connect with, and, and um, to business travel for those on the spectrum, maybe who are who are in the business community. Uh, have you? Have, do you have any information on whether there's there's plans to expand it even further?
1: So we've actually we've actually been trying to go international for a couple of years now. Um, it, it seems like it should be a lot easier than than it actually is, but um, we've been trying to expand to to Canada for a couple of years, and we're trying to expand to different areas um, in Europe, such as like you know England or things like that. Um, they're a little bit easier to kind of start with. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few contacts kind of starting up, um, but we haven't been able to kind of establish those international contacts to kind of. Get it actually going, you know sometimes we, we kind of feel like we get a little momentum and then somebody switches jobs or something like that so we 've had a few road bumps as far as internationally, but um, it, it is our goal to to take the program out you know to a nas- international platform
0: interesting so so aside from people maybe having having a contact with somebody and then having them move on somewhere else, are there other obstacles specifically that you 're finding when it comes to branching out um, beyond or there are, you know maybe there are some obstacles that you faced and overcome even getting as far as you've, you've gotten at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say the obstacles, there's a, there's a lot of partners, there's a lot of, um, involved, there's a lot of moving pieces, um, and, and I'd say the largest obstacles are just, you know, log- logistics type-wise. I mean, usually when we hold an event, um, it's not too hard to recruit participants in the area because we've, we've noticed that there is definitely a need for this program, and so most of our events will fill up to capacity. I think the largest event is just trying to get, you know, sometimes if you don't have contact somewhere, you know, doing cold calls to airports or mm-hmm. cold calls to different airlines. Um, so I'd say more of it's just a logistics piece also of trying to, you know, coordinate the airlines and the airports and everything that's going on. So it's, it's more of just logistics that kind of sometimes get in the way.
0: Okay, so so basically, the message is just keep persevering and then work yeah, through yes, those logistics. <laughs> okay, so um, so before we take a quick break, let me ask you this: over overall, what how, how would you summarize the response from the? You said about sixty to sixty-five different airports, thirty-three states, one hundred and fifty events. What has generally been the, the response from the airport personnel, whoever you might be dealing with, on, and you know, to, to get this off the ground and to, to plan an event?
1: Oh, I mean, it's been overwhelmingly good. I mean, we've been very excited and lucky that, you know, we've been in so many airports and be able to create so many good contacts that connect us to, you know, other good airports. And, you know, for example, if you have one event in, say, Kentucky, and then, you know, two other airports will hear about on the news and kind of contact me. And so there has been um, a very positive, um, you know, um, response to these For these events, Um, a lot of times we have about I think a seventy percent repeat rate of events. You know, once they hold their first event, to holding a second event, where they I think once they actually see it in action and and they can see the impact that it makes on the families, or they hear the the success stories or the thank yous from the families, you know, it, it can I think it can really make an impact on the community, and you know, it's also great for helping to build the partnership with the airport and the airline to the local, you know, in families in the community as well to, you know, just build a greater bond.
0: Well, yeah, a greater bond. And then the thing that a lot of times, when when we're conducting these types of trainings, we don't uh, talk about, but I think it's important to talk about. They're also building a new customer base. They're building, you know, a relationship with people who want to travel and want to expose their loved ones to uh, to different opportunities. To again, to, to go to family events, to go on vacations, to enjoy what's out there um, when it's time to take a break or take a vacation. And uh, and so it's it's a way of also making your business more accessible. And in this case, the business. Is, is air travel. So oh, I think I think yeah. there's, you know, got to be that component too. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about what happens on the day of the event. Uh, this is 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. Although some people with autism have difficulty vocalizing their feelings, here at Anderson Center for Autism, their smiles speak volumes. Whether students are developing job skills, learning to communicate, volunteering in the community, expressing themselves through art and music, music or building friendships. There are moments every day here when breakthroughs are made and joy is palpable. Do you want to generate more smiles for the one you love with autism? Learn more online at andersoncenterforautism.org. That's andersoncenterforautism.org. Welcome back to 1 in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and this morning I'm talking to Carrie Major, who is the Senior Manager of Special Projects for The Arc uh, out of Washington, D.C. This is the national, um, the national chapter, so to speak, of The Arc, and we're talking about Wings for Autism. And thrilled with what you've shared already, I want to just ask you, Carrie, to talk about a little bit more in detail about what does the day of event look like, kind of from start to finish? Like, how many families are coming? Is it free? Is there a fee? Um, where does it all begin? Is it, is it as early as sort of parking and, and getting on the tram? Some airports have those air trains. You know, how does it start? How does it look? Um, is there increased security? And And how does it end? And then, you know, what's the... What's the outcome? I'll, I'll help you along with this one, but just t- tell us how it how it all starts that day. Okay.
1: Well, the the actual event is basically you know we want it to be as realistic as a trip to the airport um, would be for a normal family just going. So, I mean, the the ultimate goal of the program is obviously education and awareness and training, but we it's also to you know for that so that these families can see if air travel is a possibility for them in the future. So it's basically they would come to the airports, you know, some, depending on which location you're in, will, will drive or take a metro or however they would probably normally get to the airport is probably how they would get to the airport. Once they get there, they would check in at a table, which is where our local host would be, and, you know, we give them any information for the day, um, a lot of times we'll validate parking, some events will have, you know, some giveaways or resources in the community or flyers, things like that. So once they do that, they go to the um, local airline partner where that we're working with. Um, the airline prints them fake boarding passes. Those boarding passes are then used um, to get them to T- TSA Security. For, as far as security, it's, it's kind of the normal, you know, it's it's either TSA agents that are either working their normal shift or are volunteering for the, for the program. But we don't do anything different as far as the TSA security because we want them to go through the process and see what's going to happen, you know. Right. We want them to know that they have to put their things on the conveyor belt. And, you know, once they go through, they're going to get them back. So that's kind of something that is hard for people to realize that, you know, I put my headphones down. I'm going to need these back in, like, five minutes. So it's kind of, you know, that's a very important process to realize. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, sometimes they'll just have a sitting with the general public, and sometimes they will have a designated lane for our um, our participants only because it's a very crowded time in the airport or things like that. We don't want to, you know, people are obviously taking real flights and, um, you know, having... Regular customers coming there as well. Right. Um, so once they do that, they go to the uh, find their way to the ticket area. And, you know, we usually have volunteers kind of guiding them throughout the way, so nobody does get lost. Or if they have any questions or need any assistance, um, you know, we have plenty of volunteers staffing the event as well. Mm-hmm. But once they get to the gate area, we do have them wait just a little bit um, because it's, I think as we all know waiting is a huge part of any airport experience. Yeah. You know, and, and it's very important for families to figure out can can their loved ones sit here for 20 minutes at the gate area and and what do we need to do to, you know, entertain them. So, you know, some families will come and they'll be like, I'm glad we sat there for 15 minutes because we realized that we need more, more games to bring or more coloring books or whatever it is that they need to do to kind of, you know, be able to manage their loved one and kind of, you know, um, I- entertain them for that time. Right. Uh, right. So then they, they do a normal boarding call. They board the plane. Um, on board the plane, we have the flight attendants go through their regular um, safety spiels, you know, with the, the flotation devices and all that. Uh-huh. Um, they we, I ask them always to close the overhead bins because those make a loud noise. Yes. And so right. we want them to kind of be aware that that's going to happen as well. After that, we just have them, you know, explore the plane. We, we encourage families to ask flight attendants questions. Um, we encourage them to, you know, check out the, the table trays, the, the, the buttons, the fans. The, you know, I always encourage everybody to go to the bathroom because the bathrooms are, as we know, very small on the right. plane. Um, a lot of times, too, they will have the cockpit open, which is, you know, a, a big fan favorite for, I would say, anyone of any age. Yes. <laughs> um So they can kind of see in there. Sometimes we'll actually let them sit down in the cockpit, which is really great. Um, You know, explain stuff. So, um, and then sometimes, you know, depending on the airline and airport. Some some will even turn on the plane so they can feel different vibrations, and others will even take it a step further and do a little taxi around the airport so they can feel you know the vibrations on the plane and the noises it makes and kind of what, what it feels like to kind of go fast down the runway. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not happen at all events. I want to put that out there. It's kind of a case-by-case case thing. Sometimes you just stay at the gate. But, right. um, but at least if you get on the plane, you kind of experience what it's like um, on there.
0: Um, awesome. And, so and, let me just take you back to the- the security just because I you know, security, the security, the TSA security process can be stressful for anyone. Oh, you know, I feel like it's just, I was just, uh, flying with my daughter who's, uh, neurotypical, but it was just the two of us and we were running just a little bit late. And I thought I was going to lose my mind, um, just because there were so (laughs) many people and it -hmm. was, you know, it was packed and there was just a ton of people. You couldn't even really see where the line started and ended. And, um, she was fine. I was the one who was (laughs) kind of, um, getting a little stressed out. But then, you know, when I was young, uh, First of all, when I was very young there was it was very very different but um but even uh, sort of relatively recently has been the, the taking off of the shoes, right? That's become a thing. Um, and I yep. realize that not on every flight d- do they ask you to do that. Um, and, and I think this time around, my daughter is uh, 11, and I had to take off my shoes. She didn't have to take off hers. Which uh, And so I th- there are different rules seem to apply to different uh, airports, different airlines. But my point is for a lot of people with autism, sensory input can be a big deal. So you talked about headphones and the fact that, yes, if somebody's very attached and use their headphones they're not going to necessarily Mm -hmm. love handing them over and seeing them disappear into a machine where they can't see them even for a couple seconds was there extra time spent on practicing taking off shoes putting them away walking in your sock feet or bare feet across the you know um, the threshold and then picking them up again did that seem to stand out for for any families that you remember
1: well that's one thing that we allow so we we have the families kind of come through one by one so kind of on a rolling basis you know so with when they come in they kind of go as a family we don't take them like a field trip kind of thing Mm -hmm. so that way they have you know more time to to spend on that if they need to take more time if they need to take you know 45 minutes just at security they have that freedom to kind of do that during this event and kind of practice that um and you know we've you know talked to the tsa agents and you know some of them are great they'll they'll actually kind of sit down and explain it to them and help them through and you know it's Mm -hmm. it's You know, whatever extra support they need, this program is the reason why they do it. You know, there's no running late for the plane, so if they need to kind of realize that security is going to take them 30 minutes just to kind of get them through, there you have the freedom to kind of, take that extra time to do
0: it. So that's really cool. So as you're talking, I'm realizing that this is not necessarily meant to be, you know, do this once and then you're all set. It's sort of meant to give families the opportunity to say, okay, so when we do plan an actual trip, we need to add 30 to 60 extra minutes because it's going to take us that long, likely to get through security. And then an additional 25 minutes and extra activities because the waiting was more stressful than we were thinking it might be. Or maybe the opposite, where we can leave a few things at home because our loved one really got into looking out the windows at the planes coming and going, and that was enough to distract them for the half hour wait. So it's meant to help them plan better for a future trip. Is that is that, oh, is that yeah. the main goal?
1: That's 100%. It's, it's to test out all of your different things that you're going to do. It's yeah. to see how they react to everything. I mean, we've had people that have had, you know, we've had uh, subsequent events at, at places, you know, year after year. And so we've had uh, one child come to mind, for instance, I think they came to three events and, the first event, they couldn't get through TSA security, and the family was like, "Well, this isn't working." So they came back again. In the second event, they got through TSA because you know he'd kind of been to that part, so he was okay with that. But the jet bridge was, you know, a no go, yeah. um, and so they came back the third time. And finally, it was just like he had to keep doing each step and practicing it over and over again. So you know, some families they can go through once and be like, "Okay, we know this is this is for us, we can do this." And some families need a little bit extra practice, and they need to come back three times, and they need their child needs to kind of learn. Each step a little bit more, so you know we allowed allow them to come back and and take those
0: extra steps and you know practice it as much as they need to if if you know needed. That's really cool. So, is there a fee for this? Do families pay or do they just um, register and, and come the day that the event is happening in their area?
1: Nope, yep, it is uh, free for families. Um, they just have to provide their own transportation, to too from the airport. Um, but nope, it's free. It's totally free for families. That's we awesome. We do have pre registration is required. So, each event has a limited number, obviously, because of the limited number of seats on the plane. Sure. Um, so, there is pre registration that is required for all events,
0: though. Do you find that most of them these days are full? Majority of them, yes. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's a sure sign of success. Um, So we are running uh, low on time. I want to finish up by just asking you, where can people go for more information or to find out if there's an event coming up for them uh, in their local area? So you can
1: check out our website, which is thearc.org backslash wings. um, Or anyone can send me an email as well. Um, I don't know if there's a website where you can put my email address, but um, it's M-A-U-G-E-R at the arc.org as well.
0: They, we will publish this when we post it on our social media. Uh, the post the interview, and um, we'll try to get the word out that way. But I'll just repeat it now. So, for more information, you can go to the Arc, and that's a r c org backslash wings, or you can email Carrie Major at m a u g e r at the arc.org for more information. Um, keep in mind, uh, listeners, we're in 33 states and uh, 60 to 65 airports and growing. So, chances are you will be able to. Find Find something uh, reasonably close to where you live, and this seems like an invaluable resource. Um, times are changing. the the, um, the 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 era of you know people with disabilities, people living with autism, um, can't is really changing into absolutely we can and they can and they will, and it's our job, including people like you, Carrie, who are um, who are responsible for finding creative ways to help everybody uh, gain access to all the opportunities that are out there, including travel. I I think this is a wonderful program, and I really appreciate you being on the show today to tell us about it. No, thank you so much for having me. It's such a great opportunity. All right. So again, for more information about Wings for Autism, go to thearc.org backslash wings or email Carrie Major at major, M-A-U-G-E-R, at thearc.org. Carrie Major, thank you so much for being on the show today. All right. Thank you so much. This is One in 59, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to One in 59. A presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week.